we're live. And we're live. Uh, today, uh, we'd like to talk a little bit about de-googling, de-google, which is a funny-sounding word, um, but it is a thing. And there are even various groups dedicated to it on the internet. Um, you can find one on Reddit, de-googled or de-google, uh, and they are various stories uh, about um, people's difficulties, um, extracting themselves from the extractive system, uh, as well as um, a lot of questions about what do I use to replace this or to replace that. And I have to say, like, we've been doing this podcast about a year now, mm -hmm. about a year's worth of episodes up, and I've still avoided taking the first steps there because it just seems so overwhelming, and I'm neck deep in everything. Yeah, we bought our uh, an e a domain for our own email um, uh, almost a year ago. Yeah, I just got the renewal notice, and we hadn't done anything and with the, it yet. Well, I have done, I have set up an account. Um, I have uh, moved a couple of things there and started communicating it to some degree, um, but I have not... Uh, jumped you in know what? I don't even know what your email address there is. Don't yeah. say it on the air. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you on the air. You're not tell oh, I thought maybe ever. <laughs> uh, well, maybe there are some there I won't tell you about. What? Because <laughs> everyone knows the first principle of a happy marriage is total access to each other's accounts. <laughs> well, we can talk about some, that some other time. It's very necessary to provide a legacy for your password manager. Oh, that's should true. You, uh, and code your life in it. But this is a separate discussion. Um, so I'd like to say, first of all, obviously, since we've been at it for um, a year or less um, uh, and haven't really done much, it, uh, it's clearly a, a journey rather than something one um, uh, does overnight. Although I believe now having uh, done it to a smaller degree that it's going to be much easier than I thought it would be. Well, that's why I suggested we talk about that for this episode, because I was so surprised when you said to me just the other day that you've started and it really was not that bad and easier than you thought. I was like, what? So let's well, hear more. Uh, well, uh, the reason I say that is um, it, it's a qualified uh, easier than I thought it would be, because um, as I was um, uh, going through um, something or other, I was, I was reminded of a, an old account that I still had. Um, a Gmail account. I have several Gmail accounts for various organizations and roles that I have had in uh, my life. And um, I thought I would go through and at least get out of those, um, um, get, get out of those accounts. So I, I logged in, um, which I still have the uh, login credentials. Because you have 400 entries in your <laughs> password manager. Yes. And um, I did not have two-factor authentication set up on that, so it had to um, verify me in one way or another, but I was able to verify myself. And then I realized that I, although I had gone through my other Google accounts and um, erased all previous information, uh, or that I could, the tracking information that I could, this one I had not, so I went through and changed all the settings. This was a business account, um, or it was for an organization, and so they had automatically created... Uh, a business profile for me that was wait, actually wait, wait, a separate wait, wait, so, account. So wait, business, you don't mean like this is a paid Gmail account? No, it wasn't paid, but it was like for an organization, not for an individual. Okay. And they, so even if it's a free account, um, if you're doing it in the name of an organization, they create this like business but profile. But who's they? Google. Okay. I don't know. Maybe they don't do that anymore. But back when I did it, maybe I was uploading a YouTube video or two or something underneath uh. the organization's account. I didn't want it to be under the actual account. Anyway, that's the way they did it. But there are huh. actually two accounts open under this. Okay. And so I had nothing under the business profile, so I ended up deleting that. I downloaded the data, mm -hmm. and then I deleted it. Okay. So that's the one thing you have to remember is that you should always download the data. And Google allows – it's actually not that difficult for you to do that. You can go to 
uh, Google uh, underneath, I believe, my data or my personal information, there's a thing, download my data. It's funny. Like under settings or something? Yeah, under the settings. I'm under okay. my Google account, under my settings, mm -hmm. I believe uh, under my data or my personal information. There's a button, download so my So does data. that mean like when and if I get out of my free Gmail account, right. I can actually download everything, everything that's in it? Everything. And just have it offline? Yeah. So for oh, example. That's intriguing. So for example. Um, this uh, I still had several hundred emails mm -hmm. uh, in this account, which I never deleted. Uh, so I went in and I just downloaded the whole packet, and they send they send you a zip file that has everything there. So whatever data you've had there, this is I didn't, didn't use it from almost anything but email. So it was just I don't know 50 megabytes of of several hundred emails and their various attachments. Mm -hmm. And so I opened that up. Um, and you look through, and most of it was empty because I didn't use most of the services for this. But but I did have a couple of files in in the in um, Google, Google Drive, and so I simply moved those into a folder which I already had. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't really sort through them very much, and then I uh, took the email and I imported the email uh, into Thunderbird, which is a free and open source piece of software made by the Mozilla Foundation. Same people who do Firefox. And so those email that that email inbox is sort of archived now, and I can search it if I need to. So is Thunderbird a web app? No, it's it's a it's an app on my computer. Oh, so, so you download it? Yeah, as download it, and then you can okay. like you can store your email where you want to store it. Just like it's a folder, but it's like a email is kind of like a separate kind of database. Right. Uh, so this just makes it easy to search. Right. So if I want to search for an old email address or an old old something, you just you okay. can just upload it into Thunderbird, and it it indexes it and makes it easy oh, to find wow. stuff. Okay, that has been a major logical obstacle for me. So, right. Okay. So, so Thunderbird. Well, that's that one thing. If you if you want to just download an old old account that you just don't want anything to do with anymore, mm -hmm. um, you can just do that. Okay. Um, and uh, so I and I delete then I deleted all the messages. So that that account is still there, uh, but it's empty. And so mm -hmm. I changed the password and I made sure it had advanced two factor authentication on it, et cetera, et cetera. That I had the recovery codes downloaded and printed out. And um, so that account is still there, but and everything from it is forwarding to another account. Mm -hmm. So if I do happen at some point, I haven't gotten messages in that account for years, mm. um, but if by chance there's anything that goes there, it will forward to another account. Mm. Um, it's recommended, now you, you'll, you'll have to make your own decisions, but it's not necessary actually to shut down an old account. And maybe it's probably a good idea to keep your old accounts alive mm. um, if it doesn't cost anything or and um, it's not an annoyance. But alive just mean not like you have to use it, but just like you still have access to it. You still it. have access to it. Um, who knows when it may or may not be useful, or who knows if somebody sometime in the past has that contact information alone, mm. um, and um, or you've signed up for a service with that as a backup email address, or you right. never know. I mean, right. because we have weren't keeping track of things for such a long time. Right, right. Um, there's no, there's no necessary benefit other than a, maybe a psychological one of deleting the old account. You might as well just keep it. Right. Make sure it has a really well, strong password. Deleting it might just mean that you don't have access, but it might mean that, for example, Google still has access to it. So if you, there's any ever, ever a need to settle a dispute about what's in it, you might be glad to still have access to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's just the general wisdom at the moment. If there's no pressing need or it isn't required for it to be deleted, you might as well keep it open. And I, I, that, having done that, it was very easy. I said, oh, well, I'll do it to another. I had another account for another project that I was involved with. Mm -hmm. And I said, I'll just do that there. And it's the same thing. I had a few files in the drive uh, and a, you know, a few hundred or a thousand emails or something that were part right. of that, that project. 
Okay, and how much? I mean, how much space does this take up? Like ah, these weren't big. It was like less than a hundred megabytes. So if I was to download like my free Gmail account that I've had since two thousand seven or so. Well, it, we you, you know the, there's usually a bar that tells you how much of it you're using. They give right. you eighteen or seventeen oh, megabytes yeah, right, for free. Right. So you're obviously under that amount. I think I have like twelve gigabytes worth. Right, and a lot of that is probably attachments, I would guess. Right. Right. Okay. Um, all right, but we certainly have enough like in backup drives and stuff that I could keep it on. Yes, yeah, you can simply do that. That that's one solution. So it's simply okay. to you can just download the whole thing and then you can change your email address, have it forward mm -hmm. to the new the new one. Um mm -hmm. and then um Okay, I have a question. Yes. If you set up forwards, will it not forward the spam? Like can you set it up to select what it forwards? Uh, I think it will forward what it doesn't spam. Okay. And what if you like set up an autoresponder and you say, I'm no longer using this account, please contact me at such and such an account. Will that autorespond also to spam or can you restrict it only to things that make it into your inbox? I don't know how that works. I imagine because as Google, they're very good at these things. They probably don't autorespond to spam. Okay, because I wouldn't want to like inform all the spammers. Well, yeah, that's the thing. That's right. the, that's that's one of the one of the things. I don't think Google would do that. I don't really. I don't know what the. Okay, so we actually have to find that out and follow up. Right. So, okay. but you can have it forward to the other address, and then and um. So that's what I did. I had it forwarded to this other one, and then okay. and this other one forwards to my other main Google account. Mm -hmm. So I have this sort of chain of forwardings that's going mm -hmm. on. So these two these two former Google accounts are completely empty. Mm -hmm. There's nothing in them, no information, everything's deleted. Okay. They're still active, but there's no right. information in them. Active in that you haven't cut off your own access to it. Right. So okay. I, I imagine uh, I imagine Google will have th they have they have the that information backed up somewhere, but after a few months that backup will kind of work its way out of right. out of existence and eventually there probably won't be much that's there. Right. Okay. I don't know how long data retention is. Maybe at some point in some cave somewhere right. on an archive backup tape, probably yeah. something will I mean, exist if, forever. If there's going to be like a full-scale U.S. Senate investigation of your activities, they'll probably be able to find it right. for but that. But I imagine Google probably doesn't want to keep more than they have to because that becomes then a liability for them. Right. Well, it also it costs them and they're not it getting anything off of it. costs them to some degree it. and yeah. they're not getting anything out of it anymore. They've already right. harvested whatever information they need to. So that's... right. So, so it's not it's hard, easier than I thought. Now I have not done that to my main Google account, um, okay. and one of the reasons uh, I thought it would uh, make that be a sort of longer term thing is that I could set up, and I think I will set up some kind of a a responder um, or, 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 or a, a a footer on my messages going forward for the next few months or whatever. Oh so right, we yeah you and so I that the people that. I write to have a kind of um, advance notice that I'll be changing my email address. Right. Please note as of Please such and such a date. So that when they start getting emails from me, often uh, Google will do this. If you receive a message from the same person but from a different email address, it will flag it as potentially right. a phishing scam. They've, yeah, they've never contacted you from this address before. Right. Which is, uh, it seems like, a you know, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, no, I think that's a but good idea. But it's also yeah. useful to have made that contact. So I plan on um, there's I, and there's a project I need to do which will involve me contacting uh, quite a number of people on my mm. uh, on my list and I'm just simply going to put that in the footer and say I will be changing my email address here's my future wait but you're gonna going to make forward. these fresh contacts with your old email address that you're trying to phase yes, out yes with the one that I'm trying to phase out but why out. why would you use that one still well so that they get a message from the old account mm -hmm. confirming that I'm moving to the new account. Oh, so these are people who have already contacted you by the old account? Yes. Okay, but when you're making fresh contacts, you're going to use a new account only? That's the idea. I have not okay. started doing this yet. I'm still hesitating because I'm like, did, did I choose the right email address? Did it, right. Is our domain? Uh, I have all these questions that are probably not worth 
um, reflecting on anymore. But anyway, mm. so it is. I'm right. following basically the strategy that Michael Bazell sets out in his extreme privacy book, which is right. to have a main address associated with you personally. Mm. Um, that's going. You just are reconciled to the fact that it's going to be indexed by people searches, and you kind of want it to be associated with your identity. Mm. May, you may have a separate uh, email that you would use for financial. Right. Um, terms that may not have your name in it uh, just to keep it a little bit separate. I don't know. There's different ideas. Well, we've, about, we had an episode talking about how to sort right. out email identities, yeah, right? right. That there's no like completely established strategy for that. But um, right. uh, in any case, you can have several different email addresses for different roles. So so uh, it's it's easier than I thought it would be. To, okay. To well, it. that's promising. That, that at least is the, the, the email. Okay. The, um, uh, the other parts of the Google ecosystem are more difficult to extract. I'm thinking specifically for me uh, because I'm uh, in several collaborative projects and they have chosen Google as the, the, of course they have. the foundation for this. So and I'm not in a position in these projects to say, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'm very conscious of my privacy now. Uh, I think Google is the devil and we should avoid them like the plague. Right. Um, I'm not uh, where I'm not in a place where I can do that. However, one of the things that I have been able to do is is to have a separate professional account as part of one of these projects where that is it's hosted by Google. Mm -hmm. But the, so the project itself hosts the it's underneath the, the, the Google account. Right. It's okay. it's purchased by by uh, through um, through the project. Right. And so I have the email account through them. And so that those things... And is that through the, the website portal? Through the website design? portal. Okay, right. right. So I have, an, I have a separate Google account now that is used for that professional, those professional purposes. Okay, so is your email account part of that ecosystem? Yes, it's okay. part of that ecosystem. Okay. Well, they, they, but they, you know, you pay a little extra and they say, right. we'll give you a workspace, a Google workspace. Right. And it is true that Google, because those are professional accounts... Google does treat the data there somewhat differently. It's yeah, well, we've talked about that. I also have a paid it's more, Gmail it's account. It's um, there's more um, privacy surrounding that. It's information. less extractive. Yeah, the, the the amount of spam I get <laughs> in my paid one compared to my not paid one. Wow, it's like zero. I right. get like no spam to speak of. Even though it's a public address. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, however, so if you want to collaborate uh, with other. Uh, people, there are an, quite a number of solutions that people are trying to develop, uh, in, including quite, uh, one that's that, that's getting a lot of traction and clearly has some venture capital. One called Skiff, S K I F F. Mm. Um, that's a that's a end to end encrypted platform that's trying to offer a lot of the sharing and collaborative work features that Google does, including mail. So mm -hmm. I, I, I did get an account there and I'm sort of testing it out just to see how that works for doing collaborative things. Um, if I have a writing project, for example, that involves us having to edit simultaneously or do various things. That's one. There's another one run out of France called CryptPad, um, CryptPad.fr, and that's quite good. It's, it's, um, it's a pretty decent um, platform, and it's very easy to share and collaborate on it. Mm -hmm. um, it's built on top of, I think, something called OnlyOffice, maybe. Right, and I think um, ProtonMail gives... Right, but they don't have an Office like, suite. They don't have an Office suite right, yet, no, okay. Does Tutanona? No. Okay. No, um, they just do email. Okay. Email contacts calendar. Right. Uh, the probably the the creme de la creme solution for the real uh, digital sovereignty people is <laughs> Nextcloud. Nextcloud. Next that involves having your own or developing your own server. Uh -huh. um, 
you can buy services. Uh, there are providers that do mix next cloud. Um, a, lo- a lot of those are targeted towards the European audience because of the GDPR oh, right. uh, regulations. The, those companies need to have their data hosted in a very particular way. Right. And NextCloud really caters to that. So, But that's possible to set up. I have not that, done that yet. Um, so I'm still in the experimental process as to, find, to finding solutions uh, to replace the various things that Google does really well. I mean, they, they, mm. they create a whole integrated ecosystem. Right. Um, I found Calendar to be difficult. You know, I, I have been using Apple Calendar because I do have a Mac. Um, but I had uh, I have an older one. Um, and suddenly the, the calendar would not update. And so I said, okay, this is a good excuse to move to something else. So I've been using ProtonMail's calendar. I mm. found Tutanotas is still in a beta form. Mm. Um, it doesn't have very complicated repeat rules. So, for example, mm. first Tuesday of the month, they can't do that on Tutanota. Oh, okay. You can do every March, every third of the month. That's fine. Right. They also... Um, uh, don't have time zones, for example. Oh, that's a non-starter for yeah. We live people. in international life. I work collaborate with people all over the world in a ton of different time zones. It's important for me. So, Proton Calendar is actually really good, and that's fully encrypted. So I, nobody mm. can. That's end-to-end encrypted. Nobody can see it. So um, I've satisfied with that at least for the moment. Can I just ask you a question around that? Like, so I've been using Google Calendar for a number of years. Right. Should I go back and delete everything that's ever been in it? You can probably just delete. You can. Google does make that. They do make it easy for you to delete things. But do you think it's a good idea to clear out from the? I mean, is it really gone? Well, I, I mean, I don't have that don't, full of a know. calendar. I, I so, but I don't know. Just sort of like the principle of the thing is people knowing or no, whoever it well, is. Well, Google is very good at your data is certainly being read by bots and by algorithms and whatnot. Mm. Google's quite good about siloing the information. They're aware of what the data is toxic, mm. and they don't want their employees, rogue, rogue employees, going on and looking at people's personal information. But you know, right now there are huge layoffs happening in Silicon Valley, so I think we should expect some rogue actors to start yeah, emerging. Prob- yes, there probably will be, and I, that's I'm less concerned about that. But yes, I think in 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 general, um, if you're using Google Calendar, I think we can work. We can move you toward, towards Proton Calendar. There's right. no reason why you can't use that. Um, right. Uh, so one thing that'll be hard for me to give up is I really like Google Sheets. Right. Because I, u- I don't actually use it for math. Right. I find it very useful for organizing other kinds of data, and I don't like what's the one in the Word suite. Excel. The, yeah, Excel. Yeah, because it really, really wants to do math, and it's just like, yeah. But I actually find Sheets a very useful tool for word-based things that I do. So yeah, well, actually, CryptPad and Skiff both have very useful Sheets functions that are very similar to Google Sheets. That's okay. one of the easier ones. It's just this very oh, simple spreadsheet. Know. Okay. Yes, that's what I want. Is not to try to. Well, that's one thing generally annoying about Office is that it's, and especially Word, as a word processor, is it's always trying to be smarter than you and tell you what you want to do. Yes. And I never want to do what it wants me to do. No, you you would be you probably would be happy with something like Skiff or other things that that are they're much more minimalistic. Okay, they're not yes. trying to do too much. There right. are some other very very secure, um, uh, top notch um, products in the privacy sphere. Um, one by the name of Crypty K R C R Y P T dot E E. Oh, Estonian. Estonian, right? So they have they do have dogs. <laughs> They have, they have docs. I don't believe they have sheets, um, but that's very secure. Uh, but they don't allow sharing. They basically said uh, sharing is a legal nightmare. We don't even want to go there. 
That's itself very revealing, isn't it? And there's <laughs> another one um, for the same reason they don't do sharing. It's called it's called um, standard notes, and that's but that is a very um, very well respected, well regarded um, end-to-end encrypted note-taking platform, and they do have okay. in their premium product um, spread. You can do spreadsheets, okay. but you cannot collaborate on them. They're simply for your own purposes. Right. So I think when as we've been talking about these, and you, you just turn out like a bunch of different companies and platforms and stuff. I think for a lot of people, what Google and other systems like that are banking on is the inconvenience of having to use disparate systems. Well, it's a network effect, right? They've created a set of very useful tools that everybody knows about and that you simply click a button and and use and do. Right. Um, And they're all related to, like from my paid Google Drive, I can access docs and sheets and all sorts of other things. I store MP3s there for when I need people to access those for various things, right? So it's very just handy. It's convenient. Well, and you know, that's... But I think, I think... I think democracy dies in convenience, actually. <laughs> but I, but I actually think there's maybe like a deeper, like both. Uh, let me go out on a limb here. Both social and philosophical critique here. I think the social thing is if we are all so unbelievably exhausted and worn thin, mm. such that just opening a different tab in our browser to use a different program feels like too much and too much inconvenience, right. then something is seriously wrong with the way we're all living. Yeah, I think actually one. Uh, this is a conclusion I've come to. A uh, harder is easier time saying it than acting upon it, which <laughs> is the a principle of minimalism, which is don't create things or do things, uh, new accounts or try new products or and get involved in systems that you don't need to to begin with. So I think the first question is, if you're doing this collaborative project, you actually need this or that tool. Can you just do without it? Right, right, right. Um, I think there's some minimal expectations people have come to have in the digital, digital workspace. Um, I'm not in a position to say whether this or that project requires those tools, but I think it's, in any case, worth anybody managing some kind of project themselves that that involves these digital tools to ask uh, about each one of them is this the best tool for this task and are all is it is in fact this tool necessary in any form right right not only uh, just whether on Google or not and that will address both the inconvenience and the exhaustion complaints right but I think the other like for me like the sort of philosophical issue this raises is you know, my my shorthand for modernity is totalizing solutions. Yes, and I think tech shows a radical increase in both ability and speed in totalizing. Right. And so for me, I know this sounds a bit silly, but like just as a philosophical protest, mm. I would like to have disparate solutions from different sources in right. order to just resist the overall trends to totalize. Yeah, I, I, that is my. I'm. It's convenient to have everything underneath the one umbrella, uh, but it's also vulnerable. I think this is a classic case of diversity um, breeding resilience. Mm. Uh, if you have a monolithic entity, um, if one thing goes down, it all goes down. Right. Right. Um, this is this is a problem with that. The poor man um, who last summer lost uh, access to his entire Google account because of his photos uh, oh, being his flagged child. Right. as child. Um, uh, child pornography because he was sending pictures of his kid to his doctor, right? Then right. everything, but everything was attached to it. So I think right. there's a case to be made for uh, disparate identities and different things for different solutions. You know, as a, as someone who's a is a is a tinkerer um, and and likes to use proper tools, it's often the case that the set that you buy 
at at a cheap price uh, that has everything you need at IKEA to do basic household things, each individual thing is often kind of crappy, um, or at least if not crappy, at least it's it's only you know seventy percent as good as the real proper thing would be. And so sometimes, uh, just as in the case of um, physical tools, probably online tools, um, um, that might be the case. You know, it's good to have a tool that does for you the job you need it to do for this time mm. um, but it is true it, it's a cost because each tool you learn how to use requires some effort and um, if you want to get other people to use it too you, you have to ask well how long is this going to be around um, am I going to just have to move all my data to some other uh, place all along and so I don't know there's no there's no perfect solution to any of these problems especially in the digital world where things change quite quickly and a long lifespan is five years right well I think you make a good point is that things might change on you anyway <laughs> and, but also generally speaking that the diversity of of points of entry to your whole digital life gives you a kind of resilience so you can't lose everything at once mm-hmm. I was actually as you were saying with that I was reminded of uh, you know the story I was once part of a church who that that received an, an like a, a bequest and so the church's banker um came and told them all the different things he was investing the bequest in and one of the uh, little old ladies on the council was utterly flummoxed by this and she was like why are you choosing so many different things can't you just pick one big good company and put all of our money in that and i remember like the look on the banker's face of just totally being floored like how can anyone not know <laughs> that you don't invest right. half a million dollars in a sa- like that, that your entire net worth right in a single company on the other hand uh, a really complicated solution that you don't understand in investment mm-hmm. is not a good solution either uh, right, but I mean, like, so is better. All right, the creation of like index funds—that's right. the analogy I'm thinking of—is right. it makes sure that your holdings are diversified among, for example, the 500 top companies. It's always being shifted. So if one of them goes under, you still have 4.99. Or even if a bunch in a sector go well, under, if one of them goes under, it means that the other companies have bought up what it is now, and you still own it. Right. So I, I just think that's maybe a more useful analogy, is right. by not concentrating, not totalizing your entire digital life in one particular company, right. no matter how enormous and um, unstoppably Goliath-like it appears to be, we all know that sometimes Goliaths go down really fast. Yeah. Uh, I think, uh, and I, for your basic information, there are a set of fairly common standards for things like calendars and contacts and email and uh, doc files, PDFs, Excel spreadsheets, PowerPoint, those are all just very common formats. Right. Uh, those aren't going away. And even if things won't work perfectly, your data is not as siloed as you think it is. Okay. So I think the takeaway tip for this episode is, first of all, it's not as hard to get out of Google as you think. And secondly, diversify your digital points of entry. All right.